Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we've been discussing CIC issue number 48, the dishonoring of God and popular spiritual warfare teachings. And we wrapped up last week talking about Pentecost and Babel and how these dominionist teachers use this to set up a system of unity that's supposedly going to set up Christ's kingdom without Christ. So today we're going to take actually a little bit of a break from that, and we're going to talk about greater works than these and the dominionist misuse of that verse. Now, in your article, you say we are promised by the false teachers, that is greater miracles than Jesus did, greater revival than the book of Acts and power and authority previously unknown in church history. All of this while God is at risk vulnerable, having somehow lost his sovereign control over his own creation. Yes. So today, let's actually just take a look at that greater works than these verses and see if they are applying this properly or not. And it just so happens we have a CIC article on that. So listeners, if you want to look it up, you can find that at the website, CICministry.org, and it's issue number 65. So we find that verse in John 14. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the context of that verse? And then we'll discuss the meaning. Sure. This claim that these dominionists are going to do greater works than Jesus did doesn't stand any kind of a biblical test. Okay. Okay. And there's several reasons why we can't believe that. One of which is the claim in John where they get this idea by misinterpreting John 14, 12, and 13, the claim is that Jesus is unique. Okay. And no one did what he did. Right. No one's done all the things that he did. He did greater works than Moses. He did greater works than anybody had ever done. And what he did proved he's who he claimed to be which is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who came into the world, the one with authority over all, over all things. And then in John 14, in the context, he's preparing the disciples for the fact that he's going to leave. He's going to die, be raised, and then he's going away to prepare a place for them. Okay. And then he'll come again, receive them to himself. So John 14, I'm going to start at verse seven. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you? And yet you have not come to know me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise believe because of the works themselves. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We're actually going to come back probably next episode and talk about asking in his name. But in this context, what are the greater works than these? Well, there are works that are obviously tied to the ascension. Okay. And Jesus' ascension at the right hand of God, because he's saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Right. He's bringing, he's preparing the disciples for what's about to happen and trying to give them comfort. Right. And so the first thing we need to do is look at the context. Okay. Context indicate that some Latter-day apostles and prophets that have more power, more authority, more miracles, greater miracles, greater everything than Jesus or his apostles had in the first century. Is that what we're supposed to learn from that? No. And, you know, we've been calling the series that we've currently been going through the dishonoring of God in this passage, Jesus is honoring God, the father, these false teachers are, are trying to honor themselves by saying they are the ones who are doing these greater works. Even Jesus was saying these are done through the father. Yeah. I did a little study on that because I have better Greek tools than I did 20, 30 years ago when I was writing these articles. Okay. And I looked up greater works in John, and it's used a number of different times. And I looked up every time the word greater is used in John, in the English and the Greek. Okay. And so what in John 150, because I said to you that you saw under a fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. That was earlier in John. Okay. About John 520. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these, so he will marvel. Right. I think John 520 is really important. It is. And, yeah. I, the I glory is going to God. Well, the point is, who's being honored? Right. God this, is being honored. Yeah. The Father and God is giving promises, and the unity between the Father and the Son is emphasized throughout the book of John. And one of the things that we've been talking about a lot is that the author determines the meaning, not the reader. Right. And that's really important to always keep in mind. Right. And and so the Holy Spirit inspired John to write these things. Right. And I mean, anytime we're approaching scripture, we should always approach it from the standpoint of what is this telling me about God? Not what, what is this telling me about me other than we're the sinners who need a savior? Well, frankly, I think I may have said before, if you read these dominionists and there's no claim so grandiose, they won't make it. Right. And it's almost, they're saying, the opposite of John the Baptist, he must decrease so I can increase. Yes. And wow. that's just not how it's supposed to be. And that's not right. That's not what we're learning. Right. We're learning to honor God, believe his promises, 
honor the son, believe what he said, learn what God is going to do, and be comforted. And the point is that some grandiose, glorious, powerful, great people of God are going to arise many, many uh, centuries later in church history, and they're going to be the great ones. Wow. And some are claiming they're going to defeat Antichrist at some future date. Some are claiming they're going to usher in the kingdom in their own way. And honoring God is the last thing any of them want to do. Yes. The father loves the son, shows him all things he's doing. The father will show him, the son, greater works than these, so that you will marvel. So who's going to marvel? We are going to marvel, not at our own works, though. Believers. Yeah. God is demonstrating who he is. Right. And if you put John 14 in the context, think about what happened in John 6. Most of the people rejected Jesus, except for the 12. Right. And frankly, if you read John 6, the whole chapter, and our listeners and watchers on YouTube, it's a good thing to do. Get a good, fairly literal translation. I mean, the Amplified sometimes adds so many things it's hard to follow. Yeah. A lot of good translations. New King James, New American Standard, there's all kinds of them. But just read John 6, okay? And okay. a verse you can understand that's not coming from some odd agenda like the New Living Version or something. Yes. Okay? And what message do you get? You God get is... Miracles and signs don't get hardened sinners to listen. That's right. And I love John 6. And people don't like everything it says in there for one reason or another based on their theological agenda. John 6, would you like to read a part of that? Yeah, I have here in the New American Standard, John 6. So let's just look at some of these things that happened. And then think about, are signs and wonders going to make everybody want to be Christian? Okay, let's find out. Okay. So it says in John 6, 1, after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Okay. So now, at this point, the crowd's following because he's performing signs. Right. But even then, if you want to really see something interesting, go back to John 5 and see what happens when there was a guy healed. And then he went and turned Jesus in for healing on the Sabbath. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So clearly the signs aren't making people want to believe and follow him. Uh, no matter what happens, because they love the signs. Yep. God's right. got a greater work to do, and that's to change hearts. Right. So does that happen in John 6? Well, it gets to the point where nobody wants to follow him. That's right. Okay, so let's just see. So he went, and he sat down with his disciples, and the Passover was near. Therefore, Jesus, verse 5, was lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? 
Now, why is that significant? Well, it turns out Jesus is the bread of life. Yes. We'll get that uh, in John. But let's go on. Verse 6, he was saying this to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, here's a lad who has five barley loaves and two fish. And so what happens? They sit down, and most people know about the miracle, the mm -hmm. multiplication. And they were filled. They were filled. And verse 14, I'm in John 6. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, Truly, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Okay. Well, they sort of had it right. Right. Because John, excuse me, Deuteronomy 18, we've talked about that. Moses said that there's that God would raise up a prophet like him. And when he comes, listen to him. Okay. But the problem is they want this to be done on their terms. Yes. They don't want to listen to God. So then he walks on the water. So look at verse 15, John 6. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king. Now this okay. is important in our context of dominion theology all right i want to suggest something i hope everyone just thinks about this is it believable that some sort of version of whether it's the millennium or kingdom now or whatever they imagine is going to be functional with the king not present right how do you have the kingdom without a king well, the king is in heaven. And so the people that we've been reading are saying, well, we need to get it all in order. We need to take dominion. We need to do greater miracles than Jesus did. And when we do all this, then we can invite the king to come back because we took it over for him. Okay. So they're going to do what Jesus didn't do. And they think that God sent them to do this. Okay. Yep. It sure does. It's wrong, way. but it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So that's what they think. Okay. So then what's he do? He walks on water. Yes. Okay. And so they want to force him to be king. Now, why would they do that? Well, in their world, multiply bread, in a sense, would be a reversal of the fall. Because in paradise, you didn't have to pull out thistles. Part of right. the curse was the sweat of your brow. You'll eat food and labor and hardship because of the fall. Yeah. Well, here we go. Free bread, a yeah. cake, everything we need. It's really not much more different than today. Everybody wants free money. Let's elect the people that'll give us free money. Yeah, free everything. Yeah. But even if you had free everything and you live in your sins and your sins aren't forgiven, what good is it going to do? when you come under God's judgment. None at all. None at all. And that's the one of the points here. Okay. So they got across, they went across, he walks on water, they get to another place, and the crowd saw him, and they came in small boats, they found him, and so on. So then he starts speaking to them. Well, they okay. don't like that either. 
<laughs> right. That really caused a ruckus. Okay. For example, in verses 35 through 37, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you, you have seen me, but yet you do not believe. They don't believe. The problem is unbelief, not lack of signs. Right. And so even if someone's raised from the dead, the sign of Jonah will be given to this perverse generation. We're not going to believe that. Right. And so what we end up with, I have a sermon prepared for Sunday about uh, God does things his way. God, God doesn't ask humans to tell him how he should do things, and then we decide whether we like it or not. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But why would people claim that they're such great, glorious, grandiose, powerful Christians think that it honors God for God to be waiting for them to get their job done and then he can act? Right. It doesn't. It is the dishonoring of God. That's, the, that's our theme here. Yeah. But look what he said in verse 37 of John 6. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes, I will certainly not cast out. Okay. Now, the context, think about that. All these people came. Right. And they wanted to make him king. Yeah. He fed like, the multitude. They all ate. <laughs> yeah. Something like that happened today. They'd build a huge cathedral and take an offering. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. Follower. Mm -hmm. Let's make the crystal cathedral. Let's do something. But what's he do? He offends all of them. Right. Can you imagine how absurd the seeker movement is? It is. It really is. There are no seekers. No, no, no one seeks after God. Well, then why is anyone saved? Because of God's grace. Yep. Now, they were seeking, but if he wouldn't do things their way, they didn't want him. Okay. Now, let's think about these greater works as we just lay, set the stage here. Okay. Um, so, verse 38, where I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. That's the end of verse 40, John 6. Okay. In their context. Yep. We don't have time to cover all of John 6. You can go read it. But what happens in the end? Well, they said to Jesus, People, you offended. They, they left. Yeah. They deserted you. Are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave too? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. So in that bigger context, before we get to John 14, what do we learn? God doesn't do signs because people demand them and they have to be the ones they say they want. Right. 
So Jesus will rule, but he's yeah. not going to do it on terms set by fallen humanity. Right. And you know, it, if so, Jesus did signs and wonders and miracles and the crowd got mad and left. They still didn't believe. Right. Why would we think that any signs or miracles we do would have a different result? Well, if we do greater miracles than Jesus, like these false teachers claim they're already doing. Yeah. Then. So who are they going to go to? They may people may flock to these false teachers. Right. But they're not going to have faith in Christ if they aren't even willing or able to proclaim the gospel and to tell people the truth and to preach repentance for forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Excuse me, preach the truth about who Christ is and what he did, why we need him and what he expects of us. It, It calls to mind something that happened. I spoke to a very powerful leader out at his own church and they, all kinds of things are going on. This is going to be a grand, glorious thing that's going to turn a whole world Christian. And a couple of us went out there because they asked if there were any critics willing to talk to this guy. Okay. The man was Rick Warren, by the way. Yes. And what I said when he finally got to the little room that we were waiting for him, well, what's your issue? What After he disarmed us by asking us to tell our testimonies i said listen preach christ yeah that's a short form of it and then in order to make sure they understood what i meant by that i preached the gospel okay this is his pre-existence the creator the virgin birth sinless life his prediction of his own death burial and resurrection i'm doing this from memory but it covered what i believe is essential and that he bodily ascended to heaven and that there is a, a blood atonement that's necessary because we're facing God's wrath against sin. Okay. And then uh, the other brother said, what do you have for forgiveness of sins? I didn't hear an answer to that. Yeah. Okay. So, that, by the way, that peace plan and the three-legged stool, that never happened. Right. The world was never Christianized. Yeah. Two presidential candidates debate each other in this guy's church. And that came to another version of the social gospel eventually. But that's not our place. Whether it's to force somebody to be king or to be the kings in place of Jesus or to do greater miracles or all of these things that people are claiming, dominion theology, that's not the point. God is saving sinners. Right. And if we don't tell them they're facing God's wrath against sin, and they need the blood atonement, and they need to repent, and if they don't turn to God in faith, they will come under judgment. Yes. And so here we have all these people whether it's the social gospel version, watered down seeker movement, the signs and wonders ver- version, the dominionist, the kingdom now. It's amazing that anybody actually finds the truth in the midst of all this nonsense. Right. You know, even when, and we've mentioned this before, but even when Jesus did the signs and wonders, 
that didn't mean everybody was saved. Right. So, so then when we're, when Jesus has greater works than these, what are the greater works that we are to be doing or that so we will God, do? Yeah. What's God's going to do after the ascension with Jesus really at the right hand of God and promising to come again. Mm -hmm. As we go through this, we know what we're called to do. And whatever miracles God does, and I'm not saying God never does miracles. Okay. He's in charge of what he does providentially as history goes on. Right. If he could save me when I was hostile to God, I mentioned that last Sunday, he could save Paul, who was breathing out threats and slaughter against the disciples. Yeah. We're not saying... God can't do miracles. Right. But he does what he wants, how he wants, sovereignly, and often in unexpected ways. Yes. Now, the way the reason we're disagreeing with these false teachers is they think we have to figure out how to do it, or if a miracle does happen, which most of them are fake, but even if there is a real one, they use that as proof that you should go to their meeting because they're going to have a miracle meeting. Right. It's not proof you should repent and believe in Christ. It's proof, go to my meeting. I'll show you how to do signs and wonders. Yeah. And I've said elsewhere, a miracle that can be done by man who has enough faith or knows what to do is not a miracle. It's just something somebody figured out how to do. Right. All right. And so ultimately, the greatest work that God does through the means of us preaching the gospel is saving lost sinners. Right. And bringing uh, glory and honor to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, ultimately, by showing he does things his way, as predicted in Scripture, and pouring out his Spirit and bringing to himself people that nobody expected, the woman at the well, people that hate God, like Saul of Tarsus in Acts, people that we would never think God would save. Yeah. Then proving that what he said is true. And he said in John 14 that do not let your heart be troubled. Right. Leaving the Father believe also in me. And that's what we need to do. You know, we're, we really are almost out of time here. But one thing you bring out in your article at issue 65 on greater works than these is that we actually see some of that fulfilled in Acts 2. While Jesus was on earth and doing his miracles, some were saved and many were not. But then we, we have this, we have Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and thousands are saved. This is what he's pointing to. Right. And the fact is that uh, scripture was fulfilled from Joel. Yes. Uh, and if, even though Luke gives a lot, it's Luke access to volume work. Yeah. John was written later, but the same things are happening. Right. And unexpected people believe like the woman at the well. Yeah. And people you think would believe like the healed beggar who didn't 
have anything good to say about Jesus. Yeah. Why are you carrying your pallet? He told me to do it. Right. Uh, then people that saw those miracles that wanted to make him king by force, and they were offended, they left. And we can't make God do things our way, but we can humble ourselves, believe what the Bible says, trust God, and providentially, he does do mighty works. Not because we deserve it or we commanded him to do it or we believe more, we have more faith than these other people, but because God is bringing us to himself and he's at work that, that will ultimately lead to be conformed to his image, in, as it says in John 8. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on to contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob, you wait. We'll see you next week.